Welcome to Lessons for Living Television. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. I remember it was a summer afternoon in July of 1980. I headed over to Lakeshore Boulevard in Mississauga, Ontario. It was just a short walk from where I was working that summer. Why did I go there? To watch Terry Fox run by. Terry Fox, who I consider a true Canadian hero. You know, Terry was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba, but he was raised in British Columbia. He was an active teenager. He was involved in many sports. But at the age of 18, he was diagnosed with osteogenic sarcoma, bone cancer. And he was forced to have his right leg amputated some 15 centimeters above his knee in 1977. Well, Terry spent time in the hospital, and while in the hospital, he was so overcome by the suffering of all of the other cancer patients, many of which were young children, that he decided there and then that he would run across Canada to raise money for cancer research. He would call his journey the Marathon of Hope. After 18 months and running over 5,000 kilometers to prepare himself, Terry started his Marathon of Hope run in St. John's, Newfoundland on April the 12th, 1980, with very little fanfare. It was difficult to garner attention in the beginning, but enthusiasm soon began to grow, and money began to be collected as his route began to mount. He ran close to 42 kilometers a day. That's almost a marathon a day as he made his way through Canada's Atlantic provinces, Quebec, and Ontario. But sadly, on September the 1st, after 143 days and 5,373 kilometers, Terry was forced to stop running just outside of Thunder Bay. You see, the cancer that originated in his leg has now, had now appeared in his lungs. The entire nation was stunned and was saddened. And Terry Fox passed away on June the 28th, 1981, at the age of 22. This heroic Canadian was gone, but his legacy was just beginning. You know, to date, they have raised almost one billion dollars worldwide for cancer research in Terry's name through the annual Terry Fox runs held across all of Canada and all around the world. Doesn't it make your heart beat a little faster when you see someone take on a challenge against these great odds and then be successful? See, that's the secret behind many of these exciting motion pictures as we watch this solitary individual take on this stirring challenge. The adversary may be Nazis or, or a corrupt police department or, or the mob or, or just simply some of their own personal limitations. But there's something about watching our hero battle the forces of evil and then, just as things look their darkest, winning a great battle that brightens our outlook on life and helps us believe that 
there is always hope even in the darkest hour. Well, this, of course, is the story of Jesus. All of the might of the Roman Empire was arrayed against him. Nails were driven into his hands and feet. A sword pierced his side. He was buried in a borrowed grave, but just when his foes thought that they had laid this carpenter to rest forever, just when they thought that they had triumphed over his kingdom of love and compassion, just when they were feeling comfortable with their treachery, a stone mysteriously moved in front of a grave. And this man who would not be defeated, this man whose love is stronger than any army, this man who is alive even today, this unique man with the print of nails still visible in his hands and feet, stepped forward out of the grave to conquer the world. You see, to me, it's a story. It's a story that encourages us to go on even when life is cruel, to go on even when our adversaries are numerous. It's a story that encourages us to step out and attempt the heroic. It's a story that reminds us that love is stronger than hate, that life is stronger than death, and that right is stronger than wrong. And that brings us to our study text for our program today, which is found in the Gospel of Mark, in chapter 8, and verses 34 and 35. When he had called the people to him with his disciples, he said to them, If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever would lose his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. You see, here is our opportunity to be heroic, Jesus was saying to them. Here is your call to go where few have gone before. Deny yourself. Take up a cross, Jesus said, and follow me. You see, first of all, as we study this text, we need to see that the call to follow Jesus is a call to the heroic. You see, it's not for everyone. On one occasion, some 5,000 men, as well as an unknown number of women and children, were fed by Jesus. But when he spelled out what following him actually meant... The Bible says that that massive crowd was reduced to only 12 men and a small unknown number of women. Not everyone who heard him speak was willing to pay the price of discipleship. Following Jesus was not for the faint of heart. Following Jesus, well, that was a call to the heroic You know, heroes have always been in short supply. That's true in every age and every time. Years ago, Sydney, Australia was settled as a penal colony for Great Britain. 
they would send the convicts down there, half a world away from England, where they would be completely isolated. Well, when the convicts had served out their time, they were free to go to leave Australia and go back to England, or really go anywhere in the world for that matter. But the problem was that there was no way of making a living in that penal colony. So when their time was up, when their sentence was done, the prisoners, well, they had no resources with which to return to civilization. They were trapped there in Sydney. They were trapped in the penal colony. The ocean bounded it on one side and a great range of mountains was on the other. To the north and to the south were swamps and desert. There was no escape for them from this desolate land. Well, the governor of the colony decided that Australia would never be developed until they could find some farmland, some, some forests, and some other natural resources. So they would mount expeditions to go beyond the mountains. And one after one, they failed. No one was able to get beyond the mountains. And finally, the government declared that it was impossible. No more attempts would be ma made, and they named those mountains the Barrier Mountains. But in 1812, three daring young men decided that nothing was impossible. And these men set out to conquer the Barrier Mountains. They studied every expedition before them, and a pattern began to develop. You see, all of the previous expeditions had followed the stream beds up the valleys to reach the pass, and all of them came to a cliff that blocked their passage. So these young men, they decided on a different approach. They would start the climb from the top of the ridge and from the beginning and climb the hard paths staying at the peak of the range. They outfitted their expedition with horses, with food, supplies. And people would ridicule them, asking, why are you taking so many supplies? And they would reply, well, we're going to need them when we get on the other side. They climbed the hard route, the difficult way, not the easy valleys all of the others had taken. They climbed the little hills and ridges at first, leading them to the more difficult mountain peaks later. At last, they reached the highest peak and they named it Mount York. And from that peak, they could see beyond the range to the rolling valleys, the rich land and all of the forests beyond. And as such, Australia was open for settlement. You see, there is never progress in any land until someone heroic comes along. Jesus was a hero. He was opening a new kind of frontier, a frontier more significant than the settling of Australia. His new frontier was the reign of God in every person's heart. You see, his frontier was to bring the good news of that kingdom to the world. And that would require that men and women would have to lay aside their own priorities in life and immerse themselves in his priorities. And only those who were heroic 
would respond to Christ's call. If any man would come after me, said Jesus, if, it's a small word that can be a very big word, the call to Jesus and to follow him, it's a call to the heroic. But it's also a call to self-denial. If anyone would be my disciple, let him deny himself. Now, do you know what it means to deny yourself? Well, if you've ever had a loving mother or a loving father, you know a little bit about self-denial. If you have ever been a parent, well, you know about self-denial because being a parent, self-denial comes with a territory. Uh, Glenn Plaskin, he wrote a book. It's called The Turning, Turning Point. He talks about an event that happened in his life it, in his senior year in college, which happened to be in the midst of the Great Depression. His family did not have the money for the first quarter's tuition. Though tuition for a quarter at Northeast Missouri State, where he attended, was only $20. And that included books. His dad did not have $20. But he said, Glenn, don't worry. Don't worry, son. We'll go to the bank and I'll sign a note with you. We'll get the money. Well, the next morning they went to the bank. The banker had tears in his eyes as he shook his head. The directors had instructed him that without collateral, there would be no loans and there were to be no exceptions. They went to private individuals, people who were known to lend money. But everyone said the same thing. No collateral, no loan. There seemed to be no way Glenn could go to college that year. But the day before he was supposed to leave, a big truck backed up to their house. And two men laid down some boards from that truck bed to the front porch. He wasn't there that afternoon. But afterward, he heard what happened. You see, there was one thing Glenn's mother loved more than anything in the world besides her family and, and Jesus. And that was her Gulbrason piano. It was the only decent piece of furniture they had. But the men, they rolled that piano out of the house onto the boards and into the truck. The driver, he reached into the pocket of his overalls, pulled out some bills, and handed his mother a 20, a 10, and a 5. And then they got into the truck, and they drove off with the pride of his mother's life. Glenn's father threw his arms around his mother. She cried and cried. That night, his mother couldn't even talk about it. So his father came to him and said, Son, tomorrow you can go back to college. Your mother sold her piano. And they handed Glenn the money. Afterward, Glenn thought about that and he thought, that's love like God's love. The most precious possession that God had was his only begotten son, yet 
Yet he gave him up to be disgraced and crucified so that you and I, so that we could learn to love something like that. When Jesus said that those who follow him would deny themselves, he was asking no more of them than, than he was willing to give of himself. You see, the call to follow Jesus Christ is a call to the heroic. The call to follow Christ is a call to self-denial. The call to follow Jesus is a call to do just that. Follow. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What kind of life does the disciple of Jesus live? Well, that's easy. That's an easy question. The disciple of Jesus lives as Jesus would live if Jesus were our contemporary. That is, the call to follow Jesus is a call to walk in his shoes. It's to live out our life in love, that same life that Jesus lived all along so many years ago. John Sherrill, roving editor of Guidepost magazines, he lay in a hospital bed, disconsolate and more than a little bored. The doctors told him he would be there for 10 days while they tried to diagnose his abdominal pain. The discomfort was mostly gone and he was more than ready to go home. One morning at 4 a.m., he, he was awakened by a nurse who came to check his temperature and his blood pressure. Unable to get back to sleep, he decided that he would go for a walk. So, tethered to an IV pole, he made his way along the deserted corridor, this aluminum caddy rattling beside him on its tiny wheels, and his Birkenstock sandals flopping on the floor. Well, when he reached the nurse's desk, there was a young woman there at her computer. On his earlier walks, she had not even glanced up, but now she turned for the from the screen and she smiled. And she said, here comes the man in the Jesus shoes. Cheryl laughed for the first time in days. Jesus shoes, he inquired. Oh, she said, that's what my husband calls those Birkenstocks. John Cheryl looked down at his sturdy brown sandals with the broad bands of leather across his feet. And well, you know what? They did look like the shoes you see in the paintings of Jesus and the disciples. And they talked for a few minutes. The nurse told him that she had been working 14 hours nonstop. She and her husband both worked overtime just to make ends meet. So feeling less sorry for himself, he resumed his walk with his sandals clomping along beneath him. Wondered if he could possibly turn those long days in the hospital into a unique experience. You know, a walk in Jesus' footsteps while his own life got back to normal. From that day on, 
John Sherrill walked the halls of the Northern Westchester Hospital in a different mood. Most of the time, he did not talk about God or pray aloud with anyone, but he always prayed silently. And he always listened with attentiveness. It was astonishing how often doctors and nurses, other patients, visitors, volunteers, cleaning staff would just bring up personal matters to him as he walked the halls in his Jesus shoes. Of course, the difference was interior. You see, instead of John focusing on his own woes, he became concerned, just like Jesus, with other people. So let me ask you now, as you watch this program, do you have on your Jesus shoes? You see, the call to follow Christ is a call to the heroic. The call to follow Jesus is a call to deny ourselves. The call to follow Jesus is a call to put on Jesus' shoes and live lives of loving service. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Let's pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, thank you for all of the blessings you just pour out on us. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Father, help us to take up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus. If anyone, anyone listening to me right now has not accepted the gift of eternal life Jesus is offering right now, may they so accept it. We pray in Jesus' name. Well, we've come to that part in the program where we have our special offer for you. Those that watch us on a regular basis know that every week we like to offer you something, a resource, uh, some reading material, just to help you just better ground yourself in God's Word. And today is no exception. I have a new book here for you. I'm, I'm, I don't think we've ever offered this one. It's called The Passion of His Love. He did it for you. It is a wonderful book that talks about Christ's sacrifice on your behalf and on my behalf. And we'd like you to have this book. It's a gift. There's no catch. The book will come to you by mail, postage paid. There will be no invoice, no obligation whatsoever on your part. It's a gift and we'd like you to have it. So if you'd like to receive this free gift from Lessons for Living Television, then pay attention to the information you're about to hear because that's how you can request your copy. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living Television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living Television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box, 27030 Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. 
That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800-972-0337. 1-800-972-0337. Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you could help us get the word out to your friends and to your family, uh, share it on social media that our program is on each and every week and where they can watch it. Uh, if you'd like to get that information, you can always visit our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, you'll have, um, you know, uh, when the program will be on, the upcoming program, what the, the theme of the program will be, where it can be watched, the times. You will have all of the previous programs. All of the programs since we started airing Lessons for Living Television are accessible through the website. You can go through those. You can watch them. You can share them with, with friends that, you know, that may want to watch the program or maybe they're going through something and the words of the program can serve as comfort to them. So you can do that. You can find out on the website where I will be appearing live. We keep that up to date. So uh, with an address, and many times there's a Google map to get there. If you want to come out and, and see us at one of our live events, we'd love to get a chance to, to meet you and to shake your hand at one of these events. There's also a tab on that place where it talks about archived sermons. So different messages that I've given to different places, there are study guides. You know, if you're looking to answers to things like what happens to us when we die, why do bad things happen to good people, which day is the Bible, Sabbath, different topics like that that folks ask me about all the time. They're there under the archive sermons. There's a message and then there's a free study guide that you can download and print right there in your own uh, home. The last tab on the website is the one that says donate today. And this ministry stays afloat because of the generosity of so many sacrificial gifts that are sent in. It stays first and foremost because of the prayers, but also the financial support. And so if you can support us financially, just click on that tab and you'll see you can donate by credit card, you can donate by Interact Debit. If you're kind of old school, like my kids would say, you'd rather just send us a check, you can do that. Make the check out to Lessons for Living Television, Put it in the mail, address it to P.O. Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G0A3. The address is appearing somewhere around here right now. So just take note of that and send us a check. Make it out to Lessons for Living Television. Every penny gets reinvested in the ministry. That goes to pay for airtime, studio time, the gifts. Not a penny comes to cover salary or wardrobe or anything for me. That is completely outside of that. So feel free and, and know that when you invest, it's going directly to the ministry. Mission Now Canada, that's the branch of our ministry that does overseas mission work. MissionNowCanada.com, you can check that website out. Follow me on Instagram, at Santos underscore Bill. 
every day I put out a one minute video on Instagram. You can use that as part of your daily devotional. They are doing this, which I think means I gotta wrap up because there's only 15 seconds left. Hope to do this again next time. God bless you.